Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Uh, well, one of the things that I love about this place is that in any given Sunday like this, we have people from different ends of the spectrum of faith. Uh, one of the great things about this church is that we have uh, people who on a Sunday have uh, been here for years and they're part of the family and they've been Christians for their life. But at the same time, there are always people looking in, checking out Christianity. They've looked us up on the web. They've been invited by a friend. They've walked past the door. And so uh, what we do, uh, what is healthy to do every now and then is to come back and to look at some of the deep questions that are asked not necessarily by Christians, uh, but by those looking into the faith. And so uh, this morning we are looking at an objection, a question uh, that many have, my friends have, your friends might have. Uh, and the, the question is this, that uh, why does Christianity seem so exclusive? How can you claim that you have the one true religion? How can you claim that Jesus is the only way to God? And that's a question that many people ask. It's a question that caused, uh, one, I think, one of the greatest poets of the 20th century to write this. He wrote, And when all the worlds collide, all they know is to divide. And it's easy if they're faceless to hate the other side. And the others caught between are the only ones to bleed. And the ones they leave behind can only sit and cry. Dear God, dear soul, dear Mary, Muhammad, can we all just get along? Can we all just get along? Dear heart, dear life, dear soldier, dear martyr, where do we go wrong? Can we all just get along? Now that poet, of course, was a great guy, Sebastian, one of Australia's prominent singers, if you want to know the reference, of course. And what I like about that is that a guy's song, Can We All Just Get Along, reflects what the average Sydney cider would think about Christianity and, and more importantly about religion. And it's this, religion divides it kills the peace. That's what that song says. Now, I'm going to front load for you as a Christian that I agree 100%. And that might surprise you, but what we're going to see today is that it's exactly what religion does. It divides and it kills the peace. And so we as Christians that get left in this quandary, this problem, we get squashed because the prevailing attitude of the world says, well, if it kills the peace, then what we should do is we should just dial back the exclusive claim of Christianity. Just dial that back and we can all get along, right? Uh, or, more importantly, leave your faith in the, in the home. When you come to work, leave it behind with you and then we're all going to be okay. And so we as Christians get squeezed. What do we do with that? Do we just dial it back? And what I want to show you this morning too is that dialing it back is not going to work. The way that we become more inclusive, we will see, is by becoming more exclusive. So that's the question. Why does Christianity seem so exclusive? Here's my first answer to that is that, first of all, the exclusive claim of Christianity is, is inference. It's not arrogance. Jesus says here, and it's his words, we know this as Christians because the letters in the Bible are read. But it says here, Jesus answered, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, it's a tricky verse, but what we have to get clear in our heads is that who says it? Jesus. Jesus is saying in that, I, I am the way to God. I am God. And there is no way to get around that. Now, the way that people do try and get around it is that they say things like this. Well, look, now, can, we, can we just believe in the Jesus that... That loves people and talks about loving people and loving a neighbour. All that stuff that he says. Jesus is the good teacher, as the good prophet. 
But if you read in here and you see his words, you see that if you believe in the Jesus that said that, do you begin to realize what the implications are? Plato, Confucius, Abraham, Muhammad, all of these guys, none of them talked remotely like this. They didn't talk like this. It's Jesus that makes this claim. And so this exclusive claim of Christianity is not arrogance on the part of Christians. It's, it's an inference as to what Jesus himself said. Jeez, you know, people say, oh, but no, what I really mean is, yeah, look, just recognize him as the great man, as the great teacher, as the prophet. Now, here's the problem. There is not a shred of evidence in this book, which was the eyewitness's account of his life. There's not a shred of evidence that says that Jesus intended to be treated that way. It always boils down to this. Who do you say that I am? Am I a teacher or am I God? And it's Jesus the one that makes the extreme claims. Now, part of the proof of all of this is think of the followers of Jesus. They were first century Jews. Uh, they, they were people that believed in the one God. They were monotheistic. And so the last people on the planet to believe in someone who else other than the one true God, to go and worship someone other than the one true God, is going to be a first century Jew. And yet that's out of where this religion, if we want to call it that, dangerous to call it that, exploded. Now, why did they believe? We heard it at Easter a couple of weeks ago. He was dead. We saw him alive. He taught with us. He's back from the dead. It, it, it defies explanation, but that's what we saw and we can't escape that. But here's what I want us to get. Jesus refuses to sit in a row with all the other religious teachers in the world. If we take Jesus, what he said, I am the way, the truth, the red letters, we can't escape it. Then it means he has to be superior to the other religious teachers of the world. So it's not by arrogance, it's by inference. It's just the origin of where it comes from, from Jesus. Now here's my other thought, my other answer to why does Christianity seem so exclusive. What I want us to get this morning is that it's not just Christians that are making exclusive truth statements, everyone does. All of us, whether or not you call yourself a person of faith, are living out or from the platform of a basis of a truth statement. Like, what is religion? What is religion? Is it buildings? Is it books? Is it robes? No, it's none of that. Religion is this. Religion is always answers to the big questions. Where do we come from? Why are we here? What's the meaning of life? What are we supposed to be doing? Is there life after death? Now, you, whether you're a person of faith or not, when you move out into work on Monday morning and you go hang out with your bosses, everyone is living either consciously or subconsciously out of their answer to those questions. And so atheists can have a religion. They have a religion that says there is no God. Now, secularists have a religion that says, well, uh, it's, it's tolerance. It's just whatever... Let's, it's the guy Sebastian, can't we all just get along? And it's what a guy that, uh, I saw this in Dimmicks, this was great. A guy called Elaine Botton said his, his book, his book, get, get this, was Religion for Atheists. And at the back of it, on the back of the book, he said, all of us, whether religious, agnostic or atheist, are searching for meaning in life. And in this wise and life-affirming book, Elaine Botton both rejects the supernatural claims of religions, yet he points out how many great ideas they sometimes have, well, that's nice, <laughs> and how we should live. 
he suggests that non-believers can sometimes learn by stealing from them. Now, this is awesome. This is great. You realize, you realize the implications of what the back of this book is saying? Um, he doesn't, maybe he doesn't realize that he's doing it, but Alain Botton has just discovered a truth that is bigger than and greater than all of the world's major religions. Because what he's saying is to pick the best bits out of all religions and saying this, this could be the best way to live is to have an ultimate truth that says I'm greater than all of these other religions that say they've got an ultimate truth. Are you with me? <laughs> it, like it's almost, this almost belongs in the comedy section. I don't want to be, I don't want to be funny. But, but look closely and it's important to look at this. Look at what it says. All of us whether agnostic, religious, or atheist, are searching for meaning in life. See, what is religion? It's answer to those big questions. But here's the thing. To say just be tolerant of everyone else's beliefs, don't let anyone say there's an ultimate truth, is actually an ultimate truth that says there are no ultimate truths. <laughs> it's what I call, too, the intolerance of tolerance. And this is what we're getting at. It's what we're seeing in the world right now, family, Christians. The intolerance of tolerance, what we're seeing in the media and we're seeing in the world is, look, Christians, for heaven's sakes, can you just leave your archaic beliefs at home? Whatever you do, don't bring them into the marketplace, please. And here's what's happening. It's people that are saying that they're tolerant. I know they're probably good-hearted, about all this, it's the right motivation. But in trying to be tolerant, they're, being, they're asking Christians and Muslims and, and other religious people to leave behind the things that are absolutely vital to them. And that's why, and that's why a guy called Stephen Carter says, efforts to craft a public square from which religious conversation is absent no matter how thoughtfully worked out, will always, in the end, say to those of organised religion that they alone, unlike everyone else, must enter the public dialogue only after leaving behind that part of themselves that they consider to be the most vital. It's the intolerance of tolerance. Everyone's living out of an exclusive truth claim. Everyone has a bottom line. But Rocky Balboa had a bottom line. What did he say? He said, if I can make it, then I just know I'm not a bomb. <laughs> right? That was his, if, if I can do this, then I, I know I am so, He was living out of that truth. The making it, the winning the fight, that was his religion. That was the thing. That was his answer to the meaning in life for Rocky Balboa. What's yours? What's your bottom line? And will it hold up? So Christians... First of all, it's inference, not arrogance. I hope we can see that. It's Jesus that says it. So I always say, I'm the male boy. <laughs> Don't beat me up. It's just his claims. I'm just delivering the message. But also everyone is living out of exclusive truth claims, whether you think that you're a person of faith or not. You don't need to be a person of faith to have an exclusive truth claim. So here's the, the mystery of it all. It's one of the great paradoxes of history because we're saying, why can't we all just get along? Guy Sebastian style. You know, there was a case study in society and history that's exactly that. Like if we're wondering what, what would happen to Christianity if we had a society where everyone just got along and all religions are equal. Do you know that's already been done in history? You see, it's one of the great paradoxes of history that Christianity exploded from the sort of society that Guy Sebastian is singing about. 
the, the thing exploded. Now, we, we, we see that the Christians in the first century, they were part of, particularly in the Roman culture, the sort of society that said every religion had to be equal. Didn't matter if it was one God, many gods, every religion equal. We're all going to get along. And in come these Christians with this radically exclusive truth statement. They said, no, 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 no. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to God except by him. Now, wouldn't it stand a reason you'd think that that type of society would snuff that message out? And yet, conversely, the thing explodes. How the heck did that happen? They come in with this exclusive truth statement. And in Philippi, you have this traffic sex worker slave girl hanging out with an entrepreneur in a home church, eating steaks together. Where in the world do you get a community like that? Then in Antioch, you have a city that is deliberately built in order to keep all the different races out, the Greeks, the Jews. And when Paul and Barnabas go down into that and they preach, I am the way, the truth and life, no one comes to the Father except by me, people are jumping over the walls to do life together. People of different races are hanging out. Race, racial tensions are eradicated in that city. And then you come to Rome, a place in which they didn't treat the Christians all that well. And at the one moment when that city is under crisis and people are dying from plagues, everyone runs for the hills except a whole bunch of other crazy people that are running into the city to go and help those whose religions are totally different from theirs, not just to help them but to die for them. And people go, who, are, who is that? Who's doing that? The Christians. <laughs> and as a result, it exploded. People looked into that. How? Why? Why would this exclusive statement lead to such a humble, loving and inclusive community? Now think for, for a second. If Jesus is not just a great guy and a good teacher, if he's not just the prophet, the teacher and the purveyor of love, but if he is God who has busted into the world, God himself, if he is the claim that he says, then only in Christianity do you see a God who is dying for enemies that couldn't care less about him. And what happens to that is that radically shifts your heart. It changes your heart. When other Christians took that into the interior of their life, they're thinking, how can we be better than others, superior to others, abuse others on the basis of our own self-interest? Guess what happened? They got along. How? A couple of application points as we get ready to finish this morning. How does Christianity work like that? Here's the first way that Christianity works. It changes how you feel right with God and therefore it changes how you feel right with other people. Uh, I lived with a Muslim flatmate for about six or seven years uh, in my early 20s. And uh, one of my surprising conversations that we ever had, apart from the one where we're having dessert one night, she says, yeah, I believe that Jesus is coming back to save the world. Like, uh, <laughs> That's a different sermon. Um, she was telling me that when she grew up, part of her faith experience was is that she got told that if she was a bad girl, then a snake was going to come out of the mouths of hell and grab her and drag her back down in. <laughs> now, um, by the way, that is not a summary of Islam, and, uh, and I'm sure that that is not a correct assertion of what that religion is about. And in fact, I know that because you'd probably get branches of Christianity that would say the same stupid things. <laughs> we just say it in more subtle ways. <laughs> But what is it about those two types of religions? What happens? What's the dynamic underneath that? It's one of two things, fear or guilt. Now, this is the difference between religion and Christianity. Fear or guilt. And what happens when you're driven by fear or guilt? How do you get right with God? You get right with God by doing. Go save people, convert people, because you fear that you won't get into heaven. 
Go do good things in life because you feel guilty that you're not good enough and you need to live up to a certain standard. And yet in comes this Christianity that says Jesus dies for you, lives the life you should have lived, dies the death that you should have died. He dies in your place. And you know what happens? It totally eradicates that dynamic. In fact, as I often say to people, Christianity is the only religion in the world where you've got to work out what you're going to do when you come to realize that you don't need to do anything at all. (laughs) Now, how does that change you? Now what begins? Love, joy, gratitude starts to flow from you. So it changes how you feel right now. So you're thinking, so what? What What does that do? Here's what this does. The second point is, not only does it change how you feel right with God, but it changes your identity or how you get an identity. You guys are in the corporate marketplace, most of you. How do you get your identity? You know how it goes. You work really, really hard. You produce some great reports. You do like 80, 90 hours in a particular week. And if you're really lucky, you get to be known as the good accountant. <laughs> oh, you know, you give it to Jenny. She's, she's, the, good, she's the good one. And give it to Bob. He's the hard worker. You know, in the, in the world, uh, behavior always leads to your identity. In Christianity, your identity leads to your behavior. And so what happens when this dynamic comes in and says, hang on, God loves me, God affirms me. It's the only religion where I don't need to do anything because Jesus died in my place. Suddenly, it changes your identity. If you get your self-worth, and this is how we get identity, out of being a hard-working person. Outside of that, come on everyone, you know what this means. If you're a hard-working person, you've got to look down your nose at people who are lazy. If you've gotten your identity by being an educated person, then you have to get your value and your self-worth by looking down your nose at uneducated people. If you are part of the majority race in a country, and that's how you get your self-worth, then you look down upon races that are different from you. Can you see how it works? Religion always divides. Because religion in the process of performing means that there has to be something that I do to make me different from other people. And in comes Christianity, God dying on the cross. This is not for the strong, this is for the weak. And here's what it does to any person that takes that message, this exclusive truth came to their heart. It means that you cannot possibly feel superior to anyone else. And as a result... If someone believes something radically different from you, you don't need to poo-poo them. You can welcome them in for a meal. You can hang out with them. You can talk to them. You can love them. You can be alongside them. Guys, of course Christianity has a set of exclusive beliefs, just like every other religion philosophy has exclusive beliefs. Here's the thing. Everyone has exclusive beliefs, but the question is this. Which set of exclusive beliefs lead to the most radically inclusive community? And what I want to challenge you this morning, if you see Christianity for what it is, you will see that that's exactly what caused it to explode. The Greeks looked at the early church, they saw the rich and the poor mixing it up, and they said, oh my word, we don't do that. But the Christians did because their identity had nothing to do with how much they earned. 
The Jews looked at it and they said, we don't act like this. There are slaves and free people worshipping God together, but the Christians keep these two together. They'd never seen it. They didn't mix the moral and the immoral. They didn't mix the rich and the poor. They didn't mix the slave and the free. They didn't put the religious with the prostitutes, but the Christians did. Why? Because your identity was never based on what you did, but what Jesus did. As a result, they became the most wonderfully open community in the world. Guys, can we see as we finish this morning, there is a resource here that can make you part of the biggest problems that the world is dealing with. If you take this exclusive message to your heart, you will become part of the solution to the racial divides that we see in this country. You will become part of the socioeconomic divides that we see in this country. You, you, you will be a part of the solution to the bickering and the division that we see in this country. If you take moralistic religion into the centre of your life, and a lot of Christians do that, you're just going to look down your nose at people and it's going to be divisive. But on the other end of the spectrum, if you don't take any religion and you take secularism, the intolerance of tolerance in your life, you're going to look down your nose at those religious types. But if you take the exclusive message of Jesus into your heart... You can't feel any more important than anyone else because both at the same time you understand that there's nothing that you could have done in your own strength to be right with God but, and, and that is humbling. But at the same time you realise that he did that for you and so it's wonderfully affirming. Then you're bold and you're confident. You're confident and humble. You're bold and humble. It's a dynamic we just don't see in people these days, do we? People looked in on that. They went, what the heck is going on? What do you call this place? And people would say to them, it's called the church. <laughs> come and have a listen. Come and hang out. It's this great point this morning too if you're in listening to Christianity. I think I said it the other week. You know, I've had friends that have wondered, have turned, turned to friends in a service and going, um, this place is cool. Do you reckon we could just, we could just hang out and be part of this? You know, their husband says, I don't think it works that way, hun. Uh, yeah, it does work that way. <laughs> It's always worked that way in history. If you're not sure about Jesus yet, that's okay. Hang out with us long enough. Come to Christianity Explained. Have a coffee with me this afternoon at 4.30. Ask some questions. But here's all I want to ask you this morning. Christian brothers and sisters, we are the only people who, when we talk to people who oppose us, should, should not act like they're dangerous fools. <laughs> But we should act lovingly and inclusively. We should be oozing a spirit of humility. Does it out of your life? If it doesn't, come back to that simple message. I'm the way, the truth, and that exclusive statement. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. Out of context, out of 25 minutes of a sermon, it could sound crazy. But the solution to the problems that people have with Christianity is not getting broader in your approach to that verse that we read from Jesus, but it's getting more narrower. Get more exclusive about that statement because when you take it to, the, to your heart, it will make us the most inclusive people in the world. And unless we become that, why else should the world listen to us? <sighs> but it also means non-Christian, someone who is just watching in this morning, visiting, checking this out, asking this question. Do you want to become part of this incredible force that has been released to heal the world? I hope you do. You can be a part of that this morning by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. But at the least, if you don't feel like, oh, I'm going to do that in that short time, you're not that persuasive, dude. Um, look, hang out with us. 
I do all I can to argue that Christianity is true up here. But hang out long enough because there's this thing out here next to you, shoulder to shoulder, called the church. I try and argue that it's true. But these guys here are the ones that show you how it works. Stay with us long enough to show you how it works. I, look, I said you need to become like a little child. I didn't say that. Jesus did. I'm the male boy, remember? And we, you need to become like a little child to receive him. And here's why you need to become like a little child. Not because you're gullible, but because we said the other week, children don't deal in grey zones. Jesus said in Revelation, you're lukewarm, so I spit you out of, my, out of my mouth. And what he meant by that is he's saying to you this morning, I said these things. So either love me or hate me, but please don't like me. Please don't respect me. I don't deal in those terms. I either am the son of God or I am not. That statement changed the world. It's up to you to wrestle through with what that means for your life this morning. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.